Thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of the podcast. And before we get into the details, I want to tell you a little bit about Laura Lee Smith. She's a real estate agent in the Bryan College Station, Texas and surrounding areas. And if you're in the market to buy or sell a home in that area, you should really call or text Laura Lee and start a conversation with her. You'll, if you don't like what she has to say, you can move on down the road and find another agent. But I'm pretty sure you'll find out what we found out, and that is... She's honest, trustworthy, and hardworking, and she's everything that you need when you're making such a big investment in your future in buying or selling a home. So to start that conversation, her number is 979-218-2315. That's 979-218-2315. Also, do me a favor and head over to Facebook and type in C5 Mobile RV Repair, like their page, and let Danny know that we sent you. We will appreciate it. And Danny will appreciate it. He's a great guy and he does great work. So just support him by going over there and liking his page and following what he's doing. If you want to support the podcast monetarily, head over to 95adventures.com and check out any of the custom coffee blends that we have in stock. If you would like to support the podcast the most important way and free of charge, you can screenshot this episode or any episode that you enjoy and share it on your social media page. Whether you tag us or not, just know that we really appreciate that and that does so much for everything in the podcast. Also, head over to iTunes or whatever platform you listen on, YouTube, whatever it is, like it, rate it, review it, all that good stuff. It really means so much to the show and how far up the the charts we get and everything else like that. So really do appreciate any and all support from anybody who tunes in and does that sort of thing. Okay, now on to... The episode at hand. This one is with Lauren Tate. She is a mental and nutrition coach and fitness coach all the way around. She's an awesome human being. I had a fantastic conversation about mental toughness and about overcoming adversity. And just it gets pretty deep in this episode about life and loss and recovery and all that good stuff. So I really hope that you enjoy this episode as much as I did with Coach Lauren Tate. Just like that. Just like that. Yep, it's going. Well, um, okay, so just so everybody knows, Mental Coach, this is how I found you on Instagram and like some of my other guests, like my wife sends me a thing says, she looks so interesting, like what she does. So I get it, and then I go down a rabbit hole reading some blogs and some write-ups, I'm like, oh yeah, this would be a fun podcast. I would really enjoy talking to this person. This would be great. So kind of explain a little bit about who you are and what you do and a little bit of your background. Yeah. Um, so I'm Lauren Tate for anyone that's listening right now, right? Um, who I am right now, I am officially the mental performance coach for Brute Strength. So Brute Strength is a pretty well-known um, online strength and conditioning company, if you will, um, in the CrossFit world, but they do much more um, work with athletes that are outside of, of the CrossFit world. But a lot of people in the CrossFit scene know brute strength very well. Um, some athletes, like high-profile athletes, right, that are brute strength athletes, Car Webb, um, let's see, who else? Um, Taylor, I... who else is a – Brent Fikowski is a, a brute strength athlete. So some pretty profound brute strength athletes there. Um, and then aside from being the performance coach for brute strength, I started my own company called Climb and Conquer back in October, November of last year. Um, right when I decided to leave Indiana, I just knew that I needed a big shift in my life, a big change, and 
I was put on this earth to help people. Um, so I started Climb and Conquer, which is a health and wellness focused company, and I help people with nutrition and mindset. And basically, whether I'm working with someone um, through their nutrition or just about their mindset, I always make sure that everyone's really focused on their mental health. And I think a lot of people, especially when, when you're dealing with something like nutrition, they think of, you know, well, why is mental health important uh, when you're doing nutrition? But, you know, for example, I'm working with an individual right now who her goal is to lose over 100 pounds. So, you know, a lot of people, I think, they, can, they think that they can just go to a gym, right, and make it a habit and change their eating. But a lot of their eating habits or their lack of exercising or whatnot, it's probably tied to something that affected them when they were younger and it's wrapped up in their mind and they are who they are because of the experiences that they've had in their life. So um, Climb and Conquer came about um, because I had to climb through a lot of BS and uh, it just, I proved to myself that I could really conquer anything in my life with a healthy mindset. So that's where um, the name came from and, and the, the whole company itself. So that's been a really fun journey. I've learned a lot. And through that company, it, it gave me the ability to meet and interact with a lot of the individuals that are a part of Root Strength, which is why I'm at where I'm at now. Um, but prior to, to those two amazing things in my life, um, I was born and raised in Indiana. Um, I was a collegiate athlete. I played both soccer and basketball, so I've always kind of been a sports junkie. Um, I played every sport known to man, the boys' sports, the girls' sports. I, I played it all. So... I definitely have that uh, competitive blood within me. And when I graduated from college, I realized that I looked back and I realized I probably could have been a lot better of an athlete if I would have focused on my mindset. So that's really where my passion for mental performance work um, came about. So that's kind of kind of my road starting to backwards to now back, back where I am. But um, yeah, mindset work's always been something that has really intrigued me just because the human brain is absolutely magnificent. It's crazy. And that's, it's uh, like we were talking before, it's really like, it's an interest to me and to play tricks on yourself and learn different things, just being in different sorts of athletics growing up. Um, And the skate, like, so I was big into extreme sports. I played, you know, a decent level of baseball. I was good at it. I was good at, like, I was really good at baseball pretty decent at basketball, but then I started rollerblading and I'd always BMX dirt jumped and done a bunch of stuff, but cool. rollerblading had me like it was, I was going to be a professional rollerblader till the day I died and there was nobody going to stop me. And that was it. I was going to make a bunch of money doing that and travel the world. I didn't care. That's all I wanted to do for like three straight years straight. I mean, I didn't take the things off. It was every day. Um, and I got pretty decent at it. Like I just loved it, but mm-hmm. The, what I realized later on in life, what it taught me is like you do that so many times and you fall so much. Like you fall, it hurts. You fall, it hurts. You fall, it hurts. And there's nobody, there's no instruction guideline. There's nobody giving you coaching. There's nobody, you're just out there trying to figure this thing out by yourself. And it, it like I really, I realize a lot of my, like my character and the things I do, my persistence is, like you fall, get back up, do it again. You fall, get back up, do it again. And if you're thinking negative thoughts, you're going to fall really hard. So then you got to take right. a break, you know? And, and like, I learned this, all of this, like in my teen years thinking that I just want to nail this trick, but that's what the whole sport taught me. So 
it goes on into the fitness side and the mental side of that, you know, like figuring out I can push my body to different limits than I thought I was even possible. And I go, oh, that's fun. Like it hurt, but it's kind of fun to know that like I didn't think I could do that. And so your job is fascinating because even watching the Australian Open last night, like, or even and this afternoon or whatever, um, you can see some of the players that don't have it. They lose it mentally. I, you can see when a player loses it mentally. Mm-hmm. And those things bleed over into all aspects of our lives. Oh, for sure. And so how do you go about, like, how did you get into coaching the people in, in this sort of stuff? And how do you go about helping somebody correct their, uh, their like mental side of their game, not only in just athletics, but sports, I mean, but life? Yeah, no, great question. So I remember um, how, how it all began for me. Right when I graduated college, I was just like, what, like, what do I do now? You know, every day I just lived and breathed sports, especially basketball. Basketball was my sport. Um, so my college basketball coach at the time, knew somebody on the south side of Indy that was looking for an assistant varsity, uh, like the assistant varsity position needed to be filled. So I went down there and I met the coach and immediately, like, you, you know when you just know, like, you know it's going to be a good fit. And immediately, I didn't even have a place to live on the south side. I mean, I was still living three and a half hours north. And I was like, okay, I'll be at practice next week, like full time. <laughs> I, just, I just knew I had to be there. And so through that experience, anytime he wanted me to – kind of take over and write a play or, you know, like draw up a play or substitute people in. I didn't, I didn't really, it wasn't really my thing, I guess. I mean, I loved that part of basketball. I, I loved getting creative, but I loved kind of getting in the girls' faces and making sure that their head was in the right place. Or I loved the pregame talk or, or the halftime conversation or, you know, just helping a young girl see that their breakup in school or getting in an argument with someone or, getting a bad grade on their homework like there was so much more to life than that and they can't let that they can't let that excuse me affect their game and so it really started to teach me that there's so much more to sports than just getting stronger and getting faster and memorizing your plays like you have to practice the type of person and the type of athlete you want to be on the court you have to practice that outside of basketball for example like and the conversations that you have with your family and how you act at the dinner table or how you try to teach yourself to respond rather than react, right? So that was kind of my first experience of being that person that these young women confided in. And I guess just from there, you know, I was kind of trying to figure out, okay, how how do I make this like my job and my career? And I definitely got lost. Um, I experienced a lot of personal trauma myself throughout, throughout that time in my life. And all of those lessons that I taught those girls, I lost sight of that. And it wasn't until I found the sport of CrossFit, <laughs> which is the most humbling sport that I've ever been a part of because, you know, you get better and the workouts get harder. Like, nothing really gets easier. And I kind of started CrossFit, um, and I was one of those people, like, straight up where I thought cutting a rep or cutting a couple reps to come in first like, I was like, okay, yeah, I won. I beat everybody in the box. Like, I'll be the first to admit that if there was 15 reps I was supposed to do, there'd be times that I would do 12 just so I could say that I won. And I started going home, and I would I would get, like, sick to my stomach. And I realized that, you know, who I – the character that I was building in the gym wasn't, was, wasn't the character that I was being outside of the gym. So 
started to really understand that you have to constantly try to find that equilibrium. Like you're not just an athlete and you're not just an individual, like you're two separate and then like they have to mesh very well. So the sport of CrossFit then really taught me that you have to go into that gym knowing that workouts are going to be hard. Lifts are going to be challenging. Movements are going to be frustrating. You're probably going to fail at least one thing a day. And yet you crave to go back. And so I kind of went on this mission to figure out why, like, why are the people in these boxes constantly coming back after they're crying, yelling, screaming, groaning, you know, like workouts are tough. Like this stuff is tough. And you put this barbell on your back that, you know, you can lift the weight and it just pummels you to the ground. And yet you take off the weight and you put it back up. And I started to really come, come to tuition that like, wow, like that's you being resilient and that's you learning how to be mentally tough. And that's you coming back the next day to showcase what you're made of. So I guess I just kind of worked my way through the CrossFit scene and through conversations and getting out of my comfort zone. And, um, I went to a brute strength camp, uh, when I first moved out to Utah and I was being coached and led by a lot of the one-on-one coaches at brute. And mind you, I, I barely knew brute strength at this time, but I was in the same room as, you know, um, Nick Fowler, um, but some of the one-on-one coaches, Matt Torres, Todd Wise, L, um, one guy's name is Dom. And I was in this room with all these coaches and they were coaching me in a way that I had never been coached before. They, they were making me understand my flow state of mind. They were making me visualize. They were, it, they didn't even really care about the weight itself or how strong I was or how fast I was. They were like, where's your head at? Uh, you know, when you get to round three of round five, what is your why? I was like, what is this? It reminded me of the basketball coach that I was before I had gone through a lot of stuff in my life. And I was like, I figured it out. And that was the moment when I realized I had specifically moved to Utah to meet these people. It just like clicked, it worked, it meshed. And I knew that all the stuff that I had gone through, all the emotion I had gone through to make the move to Utah was worth it. And, you know, now getting into, um, like your second part of the question, sorry, that was a little long. No, it's fine. It's fine. Talk as long as you want. (laughs) But, you know, really what I do with people is, you know, every single person is different. Um, like the way that I would probably onboard you is different than the way that I would onboard my neighbor, for example. But I always kind of just start with a, like a casual conversation like this. I just, I love to get to know people and I crave and am fascinated by just real genuine conversations where people feel as though they can just let their guard down and talk about what's just been, you know, just this weight piling on their shoulders. Cause I don't think we realize like athletes for CrossFit athletes, for example, since that's kind of the realm we're in, I don't think they realize how much weight they bring into the gym. They, you know, the work their relationships, something that happened a year ago, they could still be carrying that in on their shoulders and then they're trying to perform to the best and like it's impossible like you're not gonna figure out what your true potential is if you're walking around with what i call all this baggage like all this stuff on your back in your backpack and um you know really i just i kind of just open it up to the athlete themselves and i have them reflect on basically like their last week of training it's kind of how i always start you know i'm like if you think about a workout or a one rep max that you attempted last week or whatever tell me what was going through your mind. And I had this one guy tell me that, you know, he walked up to this 
to this heavy-ish back squat. It was like 85, 90%. And he goes, I thought about my high school football coach calling me like an idiot or telling me I wasn't good enough. And I was like, how old were you? He goes, 17. Like, how old are you now? 40. (laughs) So, you know, but people, until people say it out loud, they're just like, oh my God, I've been carrying this false identity around and I've been holding on to it and it's been creeping into my mind as I approach these heavy bars. Like, no wonder I can't get past it and no wonder I fear back squat day or whatever it might be. So from then it's, it's literally just like, okay, are you ready to go down a very challenging but transforming journey? Because that's what mental performance coaching is. And I think people either think it's therapy, which it's not, or they think it's so out of their like world that they don't understand it. But literally it's just you sitting down having a conversation with you, with yourself being like, am I ready to face my fears and conquer my doubts? And once you do it for a day, and then I make you do it for two, three, four, <laughs> five, six days, right? And then I call you and I hold you accountable. Then it becomes like addicting because you see how quickly you can transform. I mean, it's amazing how how fast people can transform just with a little bit of conversation, guidance, and some journal prompts or just like accessory homework, I call it. Um, so everyone's journey is kind of different, but it really just starts with the conversation. It's And you said something really interesting is like you're in a room and this probably makes sense that it probably helped you out you didn't know who the people were that you're around the high level coaches like you're a little bit more relaxed and free and Mm open-minded to it and not like you know holding them up to some sort of level you got to see them in the realest form yeah um but you're and i just thought of this you're coaching so you're coaching athletes at a much higher level than yourself mentally like you've got to go coach them and so i'm wondering how you get someone like that to believe in what you're saying when you're telling them like you know different things maybe they need to be tougher mentally they're going how can this lady tell me she's never done it yeah it's it's tough i mean i'm not gonna sit here and say that sometimes i haven't fallen in that rabbit hole myself like lauren you're not equipped or you're not good enough or you're not this but um for, for whatever reason, I really have yet to find someone that doesn't believe in what I'm saying. And I just come from a place of being just so passionate and genuine about everything that I say. And like, I really care about every athlete. Um, and I just want people to figure out that there's so much more. They, they're so capable of so much more than they even think is possible. And you know, do you think it's that like a lot of the higher end people maybe accept the coaching? Like that's what makes them good is that they accept they they they're more open to listening to improving. And like you said, you were very honest, and you said I was the person that like shaved reps. That's a coachable yeah. thing right there. Like up being honest about the mistake and like okay, I need to fix that. I need yeah. to fix this because this is not the character that makes me a champion. Yeah. No. Touche, to- totally. I think a lot of those higher level athletes, they are where they're at because they've realized that every good athlete needs a better coach and every good coach needs a better coach and mentors and so on. So I think they're just so much more open to being coached and they've probably been coached by a couple of different people that have gotten them to where they're at, you know, whether it's middle school, high school, college or CrossFit coach or a nutrition coach or 
whatever it might be. So yeah, I think you're spot on. I think that there's definitely that group of people that they are just coachable, but you know, for example, I just coached an athlete that was in strength and depth and uh, over competing in London this past weekend. And she emailed me on Thursday and was like, Hey, I go at one o'clock tomorrow, which seven hour time difference. So I got on a coaching call with this girl that I had followed and I had known because she's a brute strength athlete, but I got on a call with her at 2 AM and you know, just as you said, I kind of had in the back of my mind, okay, this girl's already qualified to go to the CrossFit games. And yet, like, is she really going to believe in what I have to say? It's 2 a.m. where I'm at. It's like 9 a.m. where she's at. She's getting ready to go to this athlete briefing for all these badass people that have qualified and are there. And like, my mind was just blown. And right away, you know, she was just like, okay, I, I just want to make sure that I prove not to necessarily everybody else, but to myself that I'm like, I'm meant to be with these people. And she just, you know, she basically said like, I don't necessarily know how to do that. Like, I don't know where to start. And like what you were just saying, she was so open to anything that I had to say that would just make the experience that much better for her, that she was, she was so willing to be coached. And, you know, I'm, I'm assuming not every high level athlete or higher level athlete is going to be like that. But I think the majority of them will. Um, so, so yeah. I mean that, and that's that's kind of a it's a good way to look at it, and it's it's some of the hardest things to explain. And I'm not a mental coach by any means, but like I said, I'm real fascinated with it, and I can see in myself the errors that I made before, and the way I mm-hmm. thought, the way I mean, simple things from like not putting my hands on my knees, yeah. you know, when I'm when I'm tired, like no, stand up. You're not like face face this thing. You're a warrior. You know, I just keep telling myself that I switch that from like, you know, you suck. Why can't you just pick this up? I you switch it. And over time you realize, oh, man, I feel and I push further and I go better. And so mm-hmm. you can see it in people. But it's hard sometimes to say, hey, this is all in your head. Like you're in your head right now. Get out of your head, you know, and, and go on. It, that's a hard thing for people to even high level, some high level athletes that have great, crazy talent, you see them and it's hard for them to switch that gear and be like, okay, I got this. Because no matter how good you are, I, you see it across the board, no matter how good people are, they never see themselves like the other people see them. They oh, always sure. see where they can improve, how much better they can get, where they're deficient, whatever it is. They ne- They see themselves as like that that girl that made the CrossFit games already. And she's like, I got to prove I need to be, well, you already proved it. Yeah. What? Right. But, but I, I mean, I understand where she's coming from because you don't look at yourself in that light at all. Yeah. Like you don't yeah. see it. It's, it's super tough. So it's real interesting that you can go in there and talk to people like that and do all those things. And I know I like, it kind of goes with your little blog post that you wrote about Connor. Um, you know, and he's one that, I admire for his mental, you know, he was down and out and it's like, oh, woe is me. And he's out of the UFC and then says, no, I'm going to come back. And he just keeps telling himself that he's good enough the whole time. And then now look at him. So it was an interesting blog post that you wrote. Um, And now you see Tony Robbins in his corner and all that good stuff, you know. Uh, Where did you, like, did you get inspired to write that blog, like, about him just over the fight this weekend or just following his career? Um, I 
I've actually followed his career, and I'm I am not necessarily a fan of fighting. Honestly, it's not. I think the sport is fascinating, and I feel as though people underestimate how tough that sport is. Um, you know, if I just go like hit a bag for a couple minutes at a time and like don't stop. I'm just thinking, wow, to be able to breathe and move and jab and, you know, the quick reaction speed, like that sport is much more challenging than people give it credit for. But I just have a really hard time watching it. Um, it just <laughs> kind of makes me get into pain, right? Like I just kind of <laughs> cringe. Um, but, yeah, I've watched him throughout his whole journey, and obviously he gets a lot of bad stuff in the media, or he has in the past, right? But he still came back, and people still are willing to fight him. So there had to be something about him as a competitor that made people strive to be better or just to train to beat him. So I think whether people want to admit it or not, they really admired him, whether he came off as an arrogant so-and-so-and-so, however the media went and portrayed him. So um, I really started to follow his journey and his training philosophies and um, just how he perceives himself. And... You know, in my blog I wrote, actually over in Ireland when he first started becoming a fighter, a lot of people doubted him and his abilities because boxing was the only thing over there, not necessarily like fighting. Um, so I think it was really cool that someone can really come from nothing and just continue to fight, fight, and fight, and fight um, for what they know that they're capable of. And I'm just like, wow, that's there's something really strong about him. And... After his fight last weekend, before his fight, during his fight, and after his fight, there was just something different about him. He was a little bit more calm and composed and respectful, just the way that he held himself. And even like the way that he fought, it was just a different type of flow, a different type of respect um, with the other gentlemen in the ring. And a lot of it, as, as I think a lot of people know that follow him in his story, he attributes it to his work that he did with Tony Robbins. And that's when I really just thought to myself, I just have to write about this because, you know, obviously in my line of work, I would be silly if I didn't look up to Tony Robbins in one way or another. I mean, that man, just what he does with people, let alone one person, I mean, thousands and thousands of people come and watch him and um, just eat up his words and they instantly feel changed and they feel different before they even leave his his just um, conferences that he does or, or whatever interaction they have with them. So obviously he's had some huge type of impact on Conor McGregor and in the way that Conor McGregor now not just sees himself as a fighter but sees his life. And I listened to this interview and Conor McGregor said something along the lines of, you know, he got all this fame and got all this money and he started spending it on all of these materialistic things. And he remembers reading LeBron James's book, and LeBron James said something about the amount of money that he spends back on himself. Not just like, not, not materialistic items, but on his mind, his body, you know, a, a nutrition coach, um, a therapist, uh, you know, a mindset coach, all of this stuff. And that's, I think, when Connor had like a big shift, and then Tony Robbins came into the picture, and now he is where he is, and just hearing Conor McGregor speak versus how he used to speak a couple of years ago, his whole mindset is just about growth and being resilient and, you know, not backing down and living to try to discover what you're truly capable of. And I think that that's really powerful stuff. And no matter who you are and what sport you're into, 
I think everyone can take that and implement it into their own life. So his, his fight on Saturday was much more than just a knockout to me. It was coming to prove to everybody in the world that he can be resilient and he won't let his past define his future. Yeah, and so I'm I'm finding a parallel between these, like listening to you talk right now and not to like just totally slam you with all this crazy praise, but it is, it's pretty, it's pretty honest with what you've just said right now is that you've got, like, you've had two instances where you're like, oh, I know where I'm supposed to be. And you just up and made that decision and you went with it and you were confident. Like I could tell when you were talking, you're, you're confident. Like, that's it. I'm confident. This is where I need to be. I'm going to go do that. I'm going to do it. Like, I've got this. And then you find this thing over here at brute strength and that you, it, your paths leave, lead you to this. And then you're like, no, this is where I need to be. I'm moving to Salt Lake City from Indiana. Like that's, yeah. the, you know, uh, to, totally different places. I'm sure you don't have like, you know, you don't have any family or know the area or anything like that. So you're, you're like going into a totally new territory, like where people would be scared, but I didn't see an ounce of fear on your face. Like when you said it. No, no. I mean, it's, it's just the the journey itself, and that's and that's what I've started to realize. And I'm so grateful that I found this at such a young age because I see a lot of people that I work with that are older than me, or just people around that I interact with. And you know, it takes people so long to just understand that it's all about the journey. And like, if you set a goal, you know, right? And I tell this with my athletes all the time. I'm like, okay. And I, I don't know, sometimes it's a test and sometimes I'm actually curious. I'm like, okay, what's your ultimate goal? And they're like, oh, I don't know, this, this, or that, or the other. And I'm like, okay, so what happens when you reach that goal? Because we're not just working together not for you to reach that goal. Like, you're going to reach it, and then what? And a lot of times they have no idea what to say. And I'm like, okay, revert. So now let's talk about your journey to that goal. Like, what do you want to find out about yourself? What what has mentally just been destroying you and blah, 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 and so on and so on. And so that's when I, you know, I've really just started to appreciate the journey much more and take every day for what it's worth and try to try to get 1% better. My, my dear friend and my very first CrossFit coach, it was the very first CrossFit gym I walked into and I never left. His name is Jeff Edwards. And every single day when I walked in there, he goes, you ready to get 1% better today? And he's the one that really taught me that it's not about getting the PRs. It's not about, you know, getting the knockout in 40 seconds. It's about being willing to go through that journey to, to show yourself like what you're truly capable of and then continuing to strive further than that. So that, you, that was the big move for Salt Lake for me. I'm like, this is just a part of my journey. I just need to full send, just, just go and, <laughs> just and figure send. it out. <laughs> That's my favorite thing on the internet. I can't get away from it. Just send it. <laughs> send it. Why is Salt Lake City not? Bro, send it. I mean, yeah. that's just out here. I hear that so many times a day. And I say it so much myself now. I'm just like, whatever. I'm, I guess I live in Utah now. I'll just say send it all Yep, time. just send it. See what happens. Uh, yeah. No, I mean, so, and you, do you think that you, like some of this mental stuff and the tough, like the, the lack of fear? Because there's a lot of times in the psychology behind, you know, whether it be near-death experiences or something tragic happening, whatever it is something seems to switch in your brain that you can't switch before you have that moment. And you turn into a tougher human, which like you appreciate, but you also go after more. Yeah. And you, you're, you have less fear. And when like, not less fear, but you learn to like, that's not as scary. You know, that fear is there, but it's not as scary. Do you think some of your 
because you've had some medical issues and things that you've had to go through. Um, and you talked about, you know, having like some depression in your life and you can go over that too. But like, do you think going through and getting past that stuff right there has helped you like make these decisions, like the basketball one and the move to Salt Lake and wanting to share your knowledge with everybody else? 100%. And it kind of, I don't know, it's like a catch-22. I I wish, sometimes I say I wish. I I don't know if I should or not. But, like, I wish I didn't have to go through all this stuff I had to go through in order to see life in the way that I see it now. But I think everyone at some point in their life is going to go through something that seems like their life is about to end or it's just going to ruin them. And then, like, that's the thing is life, life is going to happen and life is going to move on and you can either move with it or it's just going to be a really tough road. And um, I was getting ready to be a senior in college, and uh, my mom randomly, my mom and my stepfather, randomly showed up to my house that I was living at um, during my junior to senior year summer. And I just knew instantly that something was not good. Um, Moments later, they told me that my father had passed away. And basically the next like four and a half, five years of my life was very scary. And, and it lasted longer than it probably should have because I didn't know, like, I didn't know what to do. I didn't know that like talking to people was smart. I didn't know that nutrition probably had a big impact on how I was feeling and my amount of energy to go and do things. And I found a lot of dark habits that got me through my senior year of college. Um, and you know, like I obviously I was a collegiate soccer player and basketball player. So to everyone else, I was just I was number twenty-two. That's literally what people called me on campus. They're like number twenty-two, <laughs> and but it was tough because my dad is the one that picked out my college soccer and basketball number. So every time I heard that, that's the first thing I thought about. So people thought that they were helping me and lifting me up or whatever. But I was so tied to this identity that I didn't need to make it negative. But that's just where I was at. And then, you know, when I made that move to Indianapolis, everyone had, you know, and it's not, it's not people's job to necessarily check in on me, right? Like, if I act like I'm okay, I'm probably okay. Um, So, you know, months go by, a year goes by, and I think people forget that I'm this 21-year-old that is just not okay. And I just, thankfully, honestly, I had college. I had I was a very good student. I, I'm, I'm a closet nerd, I love to say. I love lectures, and I love tests, and I love textbooks. And so I ate class up. I, I scheduled so many credit hours to make sure I was in class, and I always had stuff to focus on. Um, and then I had soccer, and then soccer and basketball season overlapped, so I was doing like six hours of practice a day. Then I had film session, and then I had to study. So like I had a lot going on, and as awesome as distractions can be, I never grieved. So then I made that move to Indianapolis and I lived alone. And um, that's when depression hit me hard. And um, I definitely didn't have anxiety then. I had anxiety once like I started to come out of the depression because I I feared the depression coming back in. So I just lived in a state of always looking over my head, like closet doors having to be open, just weird, anxious stuff. Um, But when I was going through that depression, right, um, my my dad, unfortunately, um, was an alcoholic, so I, I grew up around that, or I grew up hearing about it, and 
picking up on those tendencies. So immediately that's where I went to. Um, and people wanted to say that, right, I was just a college student. So, you know, you, you party and you have fun and you do those things and you're a college athlete. So they kind of put you on a pedestal, whether you want to be on it or not. But I definitely had a problem and, uh, it, it creeped over into my early twenties and, you know, it really wasn't until I found the sport of CrossFit when I realized I couldn't have that type of outside life if, if I wanted to take the sport seriously because I'm just a true competitor. If if I do something, I'm going to figure out how to be on the starting five or the starting 11 on a soccer field. Like, I'm going to go all in. Um, so I say this all the time, and, and I've told them to their face, but the owners of brought up a fit club in, in Indianapolis, Jesse and Jeff Edwards, like, they seriously saved my life. They uh, – they just made sure that I was I was doing two days and I was there and I was in the right headspace um, because I got to a point where my depression got so bad that you know you start questioning is is life worth it and and can I get through it and at this time I'm 23 24 even 25 um, so I held on to it for a very long time and then I got uh, hit with the literally one day my body just stopped working. I remember I was doing a workout and I just fainted right there on, on the Monon trail, which goes through Indianapolis. And I literally was never the same since. And doctors basically came to the conclusion that I had fibromyalgia. Um, so, but they also told me that, you know, I, I couldn't exercise anymore and I'd never be able to exercise hard and do all this stuff. So I just stopped moving. You know, like I stopped CrossFit, I had stopped everything, and I got put on prescription medicine like it was my day job. Um, it was just, it was bad. It was, a, it was a really dark couple of, you know, hand, handful of years, I guess. And um, the only thing that really got me out, even though I had amazing family, amazing friends, I just, I just put up my blinders, and I forgot about, that fact that I grew up on a lake and, you know, I had water that I could go to or that I had a great family that I could confide in or amazing friends. Like I lost a lot because I just got so sucked into to the fact that, you know, I, I was the girl with, without a dad, but I had an amazing stepdad. So it's just like the demons, as I call them, right? Like they just kind of took over and then the fibromyalgia hit, which made it even worse. And thankfully, for whatever reason, I just stayed very close to the people inside of that CrossFit gym and, uh, just movement, just moving every day, figuring out how to get up out of bed. I mean, I was bedridden at one point. Um, I had so many bad side effects from all the prescription medicine I was put on. I was literally bedridden, but every day I was like, I gotta at least get like my thousand steps in or whatever. So like movement saved my life. And then, uh, I met my boyfriend, um, Taylor and he was, I, I call him my angel all the time. I'm like, you're my guardian angel. <laughs> um, but he was like the one person that was there and, you know, picked me up out of bed and would take me to the gym and would make sure I did at least something and went through all of hell and back with me. So I'm just really happy that whether I knew it or not, I had a lot of good people in my corner that um, that just showed me that I was I was meant to be here and, and I needed to essentially get my head out of my rear end. And, and that's what I did. Finding the strength to do that in the dark time, though, is tough. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, like, like, it, what, what, 
it's it's funny to think what the difference is between the two things like you have a fork in the road uh, i always say this like there's moments in my life that i can look back and there's a there's a decision i can make like you like the alcohol you can go two two directions you can go to the crossfit gym or you can go down this road you know um and it's it's a real quick decision but it has to be made there's certain points where you make that thing like that thing is right there to save you and it feels like there's little stops along the way and turns where you can get out of this but deciding to get out of it yourself is what has to happen oh yeah yeah and that's the <laughs> that's the crazy thing right you and I'm, I'm sure you've been in a similar position where someone that you love or you care about you're like no man like this is what you need to do and i promise you just like listen to me and they're like yeah 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 and then they don't do it and then years later it's like dude I should have listened to you five years ago. Um, I have so many of those moments where I wish I could just rewind and listen to my mom or my sister or my grandma or whoever, like all my friends. Um, but it really comes down to you putting your foot down and just making the decision, right? To to just get to just get through it. And for me, I don't necessarily know when that point came, but all I know is that for whatever reason, me going to the gym and, and me getting out and people starting to understand what I was going through, I began to inspire people and people would reach out to me or come and like hug me at the gym or when I would go home and they're just like, how are you doing what you're doing? And I just go, what do you mean? I, I feel worthless. Like I'm taking 10 to 15 prescription pills a day. I'm just going for a walk and I'm just trying to figure out how to lift a five pound dumbbell again. When I was, you know, snatching, cleaning, like doing all this, you know, I was on a competitor program. And so again, I, I think every single day I just made it a goal to just move, move one minute more than, than I did before. And then that's where like that 1% better every single day came in. And even though this is an emotional subject right now, and we definitely don't have to dive into it, but um, when I was going through what I was going through my senior year of college, I wrote Mamba on the bottom of my basketball shoe. And I just remember listening to Kobe Bryant talk one day, and he was saying how he doesn't he doesn't really ever want to relate to someone that's lazy because that's not who he is, and like he's going to outwork you no matter what. There's, there's actually a really funny interview out there where I forget who it was, but someone walked into the gym to get his 40 or 50 minutes in before, before he would start prepping for the game. And he saw Kobe in there. And so he goes in there and does his thing. And Kobe looks like he's drenched in sweat. So then this basketball player gets done warming up. And then he's like, I'm just going to see how long Kobe trains for before this game. Well, Kobe went for about 30 more, 30 or 40 more minutes. And then after the game, he was like, dude, how did you just score 40 points on us with doing all that work? And Kobe was like, the only reason I was in that gym is because I saw you walking in there. And he goes, I just wanted you to know that I was going to outwork you no matter what. And that's when it kind of like hit me in college. I'm just like, the only way that I'm going to get through this or that I'm going to get anything out of life is just hard work. There's, there's no, there's no shortcut. And I was, I'm very grateful for the family that I grew up in. They made growing up and stuff a little bit easier than I know a lot of people in our world experience. So um, I just kind of channeled that inner mamba when I was going through all of this BS, and it just taught me and told me the only way out. Of, there's two ways out of it, and you know, for anyone that's listening to this, um, that's like lost someone who's 
I don't know who either took their life or just, you know, whatever a disease or a freak accident. I think it's almost a disgrace, I guess, in a way to, to think about taking my life like that. Um, when I have such great people in my life. And so I just realized that I had to work and it was just literally for me, it was one step at a time. And, and social media may make it come off a little bit differently that fibro is, is easy and it's not as hard, but I mean, going from having to be carried out of my bed to now, like I jump out of my bed at 4:35 AM every morning, I get my training session in and I do all this stuff. Like it took a long time and I've, I've had to battle a lot, but that Mamba mentality was something that's always really stuck with me because, man, Kobe was just a badass. Like, he was just like, I don't care. I'm going to work harder than you, and I'm going to shove it in your face. And I'm like, okay, like, I guess I need to do that too um, so I can get better, right? So, yeah, it definitely wasn't easy, but it, it's been worth it. Well, I mean, mentally he was like, there's – Jordan's the only person that compares mentally to what – and maybe Bird, maybe, like those those three – yeah. Like men, I, I'm fast. I, I like the so Bird's one of my favorite just because of the competitor. He wasn't like the most talented dude, but he was. I mean, mentally, he was going to beat you. Like he yeah. didn't care, and so Kobe had a lot of that in him. Like he, had, I mean, that's all he had in him. He was just obsessed with it. Uh, I remember, like, I remember watching his very first playoff series. What was he? 18 when he came in the league, right? 17 or 18. Yeah. Super young. So he's super young. He's got his little afro. It's at the end of one of the games, and this dude has all this star power around him, and he fires the three up. And you're like, oh, that's awesome. And then it airballs. And you're like, dude, he just airballed. But he walked off the court, and I remember looking at my dad's like, dude, that guy right there, he has no fear. Like, he's confident in himself and his ability. Like, I know he airballed that. But the fact that he took that shot proved so much. And so it wasn't like he had just success right off the bat. You know? It like he airballed that in the biggest moment for Lakers with all of them around. Like you're it's it's crazy. And and he ended up being what he is. So Yeah. And super tragic. I mean, it's a it's a crazy tragic uh thing. I know we were talking about that too, like I mean, he has his daughter in there and I'm a father. Like mm-hmm. I put myself in that helicopter with, you know, one of my kids and, or my wife and my kids, you know, like the other family that was in there. You're like, yeah, it's, it, it's a crazy, terrible story. And you just don't think that someone as mentally tough and successful as Kobe is going to meet a fate that early. You know, it's, it's just not going to happen. Like yeah. the guy's a winner, right? He's a winner. Right. Nothing bad's gonna happen, but sometimes you airball. You know, sometimes yeah, no, happens. That's, that, that's a great way to put it, right? Like sometimes you do airball, and sometimes, you know. And and I've been saying this a lot lately to people, and it really hit me. I was reading this really great book. Um, I think the book it's actually right here. It's called The Top of Your Game, and it just has really good tools, like you know, to help you as an athlete get through. Um, the downtimes of being an athlete, like burnout and whatever. And, and it, it gives you really good, just hands-on assignments that you can do. And, and inside of this book, there's this quote, and I couldn't tell you who made the quote, and it could be the author. But they said, you know, things aren't just happening to you. Like things are just happening. And I have been saying that so much, and I have been reminding myself of that every single day. Like things are just going to happen. Things, 
you know, just happened to all those families in the helicopter. And what a lot of people don't know is, yeah, there was another family in there and the other daughter was at home. So like (laughs) things didn't just happen to someone. I was like, great, that's Kobe Bryant, right? Like things just happened. And it just, I think, I wish a lot of people could write that down and read that every day and, you know, just remind themselves that things are just going to happen in the world and, and you can't, you can't look at everything like as as emotional as it may seem in the moment. And you really have to practice responding to it properly rather than reacting to it. Because like we're all emotional beings, 100%, whether, whether we know how to embrace or um, express our emotions. Like a lot of times though, we tend to react to, to, to things instead of respond. But again, like things are just happening. Um, So yeah, the, the entire situation that happened yesterday, right, with with Kobe and, and his daughter and, and the other family, it's it's absolutely surreal. And, and when I heard it, I immediately grabbed a basketball and just I just felt like I needed to pay my respects. Um, you know, I was just like, I, I think I need to be at a basketball court right now. And if I was in, in Indiana, the basketball courts would have been sold out. Like there wouldn't have been a basketball court open in a park or at a gym because it's just the Hoosier State. And 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 yesterday was one of those days when I would have, you know, I, I would have really wished to be in, in the state of Indiana. I think like that would have been a really neat place to be. But, you know, I just remember Kobe saying something in, in an interview I listened to not too long ago. And he was just like, follow your passion and like dare to be the best version of yourself every single day. And I think if anyone can take anything away from this podcast, like that's what they should take, you know? That, I mean, it's well said. It's well, I mean, he, he, like listening to all this stuff, I may not have been a fan of the Lakers or, you know, and he played for that team. So I, but I appreciate greatness. It's like one of the things that you, I appreciate that I got to watch Jordan win all of his championships. Like I I was alive and a kid and, you know, I had a pair of Jordans, even though I wasn't a Bulls fan. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I, I did because he's, I was watching the greatest player ever play, you know, like I'm watching a guy who's changing a sport. Uh, Mm -hmm. Whatever you think of Tiger Woods, it's the same way. He's mentally, he scared every other golfer in the entire course. Like they got, they, they played with him in the round and it was over. Like he was going to dominate them mentally, not talent wise, but mentally he Mm -hmm. destroyed them. Um, it's like there's very few people that can do that, and he's one of those people. So his mindset is, like, especially playing sports and in business and everything he does. It's, I mean, it's he's second to nobody. So oh, it's, it's wicked. His mindset's insane. <laughs> it's yeah. But like yeah, what what you were saying is very. It's it's another good thought. Is like they have a daughter at home, and you had a dad, and then you lost your dad. So like the aftermath of having to deal with that nobody thinks about nobody is thinking about the daughter at home and like the world keeps moving those people are stuck and it's really sad and it kind of brings up something i've been thinking about a lot lately and that is like and i have this talk with my wife quite often actually is like when you identify as that thing and then when it's gone who are you you know Mm. you you know (laughs) I actually wrote that, like, um, I, I don't know, I obviously I write a lot, um, but I wrote that same thing in, in a blog that I wrote or um, a book that I'm writing, um, and it said, for the longest time, I identified myself as a daddy's girl. Like, I identified myself as my father, as, 
the only jock in my family. He was the only one that could relate to my mindset and how I worked and the fact that I wanted to be up at 4.30 a.m. shooting free throws and whatever. So when he died, I felt like I died. And it was so hard for me to create a new identity for myself. I was so wrapped up in I'm Jeff Tate's daughter. And I had no idea that I had my own like entity. So that young girl and the, the you know, the, the daughters of, of Kobe that, that are at home, you know, I just hope that they truly can understand that, you know, they have their own identity and they are the ones in control of creating that and other people in their lives, right. And other environments can impact it and can help you along the way, figure out who you're supposed to be. But at the end of the day, like you have a say and you are, you are in control and you're the one making the choice to show up as whoever the heck you want to be that day. But you are not somebody else. Like you can, you can get motivated by them, right? Like people can be motivated by Kobe Bryant, for example, but they're not him. So, you know, I hope that anyone that's been infected by their losses realize that, you know, their lives aren't over. It's just, you know, somebody, someone that they, that they looked up, up to is unfortunately gone, but that's not them. Like that's not their identity. And like paying the best thing you can do is pay respect to them is by carrying on what they would want to happen. Like what would they have done if it had been somebody they lost? Like, you know, how would they mentally, what would they tell you to do? Like, what would their advice be to you? They would want you to go live their legacy on and say, no, I was inspired by what he said. Yeah. You know what I Like, that's the ultimate. That's where your name lives on forever mm-hmm. is when, hey, I was inspired by what I read. This is this guy did this and I'm modeling my, you know, my fundamentals after these quotes or whatever, you know, and that from your loved ones, like your dad, like all the good moments, you know, mm-hmm. the good times and the things you have, the best way to honor them is just to, you know, you think about them and you, you remember all the good and then apply the things that were good that were taught in your life and give them credit for it. Yeah, no, I, absolutely. There, there's a quote out there. I always forget authors of quotes, so I feel so terrible. <laughs> I do but too all I, the time. <laughs> I remember the quote and then I'm like, I feel like I need to give the author credit all the time, but there's a quote out there and I have it written down. I, I look at it every day and, and this was one of the things that really started to get me to just continue to move in, in the right in the right direction. But in order to honor those that have fallen, you must live your own life well. And I read it every single day and I live by it. And I have now that I've really come out of of all the yucky stuff that I was going through, um, I do something every single day to like honor my father. And I think that that's exactly what he would want. And you know, he was a wicked athlete. So um, I actually wear 22 on my neck every single day and you know and in, in, in the middle of a tough workout or when I'm getting ready to do some epic thing at the gym or something that makes me happy or just going for a walk I always just touch her look down on it I'm just like you know I'm I'm living my life well I'm choosing to eat well I'm I'm choosing to continue to be an athlete I'm choosing to help other people and you know I'm, I'm just choosing to give back and it took me a very long time to figure out that is the best way to to grieve and to like get get through that those traumatic experiences to to just start living your life better every single day um because right like you never know when when it might be your time so you just have to make an effort and that's as long as you're making some type of effort like no one can judge you i mean you're you're doing the best that you can in in that in that moment 
Um, but I love that quote. And how similar is all of this to somebody who's wants to lose a hundred pounds or is scared in the gym or, uh, that, you know, they want to go on some sort of adventure, but they don't like, maybe they want to hike to the top of a mountain. They want to do mountain bike or whatever it is, but they're like, no, I can't do that. You know, they, they put up these mental blockers in their head. Like they're, they're scared to take, like they don't see 50 pounds come off in three months and they're like, okay, I, I just can't make it. Like, now I'm embarrassed to even go in there because all these people are flying around me. And, you know, if it's Gold's Gym, they're going to be, like, just jacked and, you know, just walking around with their chest puffed up and, like, you know, you see muscles everywhere. And then if it's a CrossFit gym, you've got sweaty, half-naked humans <laughs> running around all over the place like animals, like so going in for a kill, you know. And so it's intimidating no matter what scenario you're in. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Sorry, but like you know, so it's very similar to that. Like it's on a smaller scale, but it's on the same mindset of you know those people have to figure out how to overcome stepping in there. And I was like a skinny beanpole; like I had no weight to me. You know, when I went into the CrossFit gym, um, couldn't lift any weight, and I was very intimidated, like super intimidated. But that was in my head. I realized later, like. Oh man, this is like, look at all the, so I, I don't do it consciously, but I'm just like, I love it when people walk in and start doing something active, whether it's throwing a ball or at the CrossFit gym or whatever. I just want to promote it as much as possible. Like, Hey man, you're accepted by like whoever's here. Like watch me fall on my face at the skate park. See that? See? Yeah. Everybody falls, you know? Uh, but I think that's one thing about CrossFit that I like is that it's relative because everybody feels the same struggle no matter what level you're on. Like you said, the workouts get harder. Oh my gosh. And you're right though. Everyone can relate to some way or another. I mean, I just, the sport just never gets easier. I mean, it gets more fun when you can like do movements that you haven't been able to do, but that just means you have to go harder or, you know, you have to actually do like the full RX. Like when I started doing ring muscle ups, I was so stoked. I was so hyped. I finally learned like how to have some some level of body awareness to be able to fling myself up on rings. And then I saw like a 21-15-9 workout with ring muscle-ups in it. I, I Now I have to do this. Like now I have to not only lift the barbell, flip upside down, but then I have to swing up on rings. I'm like, all right, well, this, this is going to be challenging. But then that's the thing. You do it and you just want more. I mean, you want to figure out how do I get like more precise? How do I... How do I do things better? How do I do things more efficiently? And just like you said, I mean, with someone that's intimidated to lose 100 pounds or is afraid to go up on a hike or has all this fear and doubt within themselves or people that are losing loved ones, at the end of the day, it's all about your mi- mindset. Like mindset truly is everything. And people think that it's so cliche. And that's how I used to look at it. I'm like, oh, hashtag mindset's everything. <laughs> now, I, now I'm using the hashtag, darn it. But like, it is so it is so true and step one is always like I tell people all the time you can have the biggest goals you can be the best athlete you can you can be the most strong human being that has suffered loss and knows how to grieve properly but if you don't believe that you're capable and what you're setting out to do it's going to be a very challenging road so whether it's walking for an hour hiking something going into a CrossFit gym like you have to really have that conversation with yourself. Okay, Lauren, 
do you believe in yourself? Do you truly think that you can do what you're setting out to do? If not, then maybe you need to scale back. Um, and I think a lot of people then, you know, the people that can't do the RX workouts, for example, they're like, well, then I have to do scale. Well, I shouldn't even be here. And I'm like, no, 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 no. Like, that's awesome. You're going in the right direction. Even though it's backwards, it doesn't mean it's wrong. Like, if you think that, if you don't believe in yourself and do an RX workout, cool. Let's drop down the weight. Let's drop down the reps. Now, do you believe in yourself? Well, heck yeah, I can crush it. Awesome. Let's get you for a week or two doing those skilled workouts. And then you're going to build that confidence. You're going to be able to reflect on some amazing things that you've overcome. And you're not even going to remember that mindset that you had two weeks ago because now you're in a completely different state of mind. So I kind of, I kind of always encourage people to go backwards. And I know it's like really weird. People don't, people don't say that a lot, but I think a lot of people, especially in today's society, we see so much stuff on the internet and we think we have to do all these amazing things, but you're not like, I'm not you and you're not me, right? Like you, you have to truly hone in on who you are and make sure that you're going after things that you truly believe that you can do. So then you're not failing or, or you're not, I don't know, like you're just, you're just doing it and, and you really believe in, in what you're doing. Yeah. You completed it. You finished it. You finished something like, yeah. and that, uh, I actually had that conversation with somebody the other day, like, and I've, I've had it with myself and I've said it out loud a bunch of times. Like sometimes you don't feel like going, like sometimes you're not motivated. You're not at your best. You're not going to be 100%. Um, you're not going to crush the activity, whatever you're doing, like you have before in the past. But the, it's almost a bigger victory to me if I show up and I do it and I do it as hard as I can through that time. I'm like, you know what? I won today because I didn't let my mind defeat me. I didn't like, yeah. I did not let this. And I fall victim to it all the time. Like, nah, I'm like, and then I go, oh, and I'm kicking myself. You know, like, <laughs> oh, next time, don't do that. Don't do that. You go, you do the work, you get it done, and you get that victory because you like that win. I like winning. So. Yeah. Oh, I love winning. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would lie if everyone's like, oh, do you really care? My guess, I do care. I, card games, I better win. Um, like, <laughs> I just, I, if I don't win a card game, you know, I never try to be a sore loser, but I definitely love to win <laughs> um, in one way or another. I, I won't say I used to cheat at card games when I was little. I would always find a way to win. But <laughs> now, now I'm an honest player. <laughs> honest. Honestly. Oh, well, I mean, that's part of the transformation, right? Of going right. through all the whole thing. The no, whole thing. Totally um, I mean, so what are some of the biggest things we can do, like mentally? Because, and I, I know sharing your story is a huge thing because going through stuff and letting, like being vulnerable with people is one thing I think is huge that I've learned, <clears throat> that I've learned. And I used to be really shy and scared of it, um, really shy and scared of it, but that's the way you learn that like everybody's got these things that they deal with and struggle through I'm like, Oh, if they can do it, I can do it. You know, like they look at your story and they hear that like, Oh, if she can do it, I can do it. You know? Right. Um, what are some of the things mentally, somebody starting at the, like wants to improve, like what, where would you start them off? Yeah. Great, great question. And you know, everyone's a little bit different. However, I always, like to encourage people to set a timer, turn your phone upside down and literally like do not look at your phone until the until the timer goes off. But just grab a paper and a piece of a paper and a pen. Try to get away from typing because I think a lot of us have lost sight in getting our thoughts out through 
through like the power of connecting with something. I think we're all typing and then we get distracted and, and the computer and the phone has become something it's, it's either all business or it's all social media and, and it's not you. So I always encourage people to just get a paper and a pen out and just set your timer for five to 15 minutes, whatever makes you most comfortable and just write, just write about whatever comes to your mind. And that's going to be a phenomenal way to start to see what actually you're thinking about. Is it all negative? Is it all positive? And then reread it. Like, do you really like what's going on in your head? So I think first you have to be aware of what in the heck is going on in your head because a lot of people, they come to me, I want to be a better athlete. I want to get to the CrossFit games. Um, I, I want to, you know, I have nutrition clients. I want to lose 100 pounds, 50 pounds, whatever it might be. And I'm like, okay, why? Like, what, what got you on this road? Why aren't you the athlete you want to be? What, what put on these extra 100 pounds? Like, have you even really started to figure that out? So writing for me is always step one. And if people have a really hard time just writing, then I always supply them with prompts. Or I'm like, hey, you should just get online. Google's great. Uh, type in journal prompts. See if, see if you connect with one and just start writing. And a lot of times I think writing just relieves a lot of depressive feelings or, or anxiety um, and you just start to connect and like get to know yourself better um, but also besides writing a great thing for people to do is reflection and I think this is something that a lot of people forget to do for example we are walking at one point in our lives we were not able to walk um, so something as small as that like victory at once you were this infant, you had no idea how to walk, and then you started walking, and now you're this, like I'm 27, now I'm this 27-year-old human being just walking around, running around, sprinting around, right? So that's a huge victory. So obviously, you've been ingrained since before you were born to be able to overcome challenge. So I think reflecting on small victories like that, or, you know, did, did you get a raise? Did, you know, your bonuses, um, you know, did you accomplish something great in your relationship? Um, something in sports, some, anything in life, just reflect on what are some of the really good things that you've done that you've overcome that were super challenging in the moment, but you were able to work through. And a lot of times that reminds people like, oh my gosh, I've actually, I have felt this same way before. So then you get people to start thinking and you get people to start reliving this, these magnificent moments in their life. And then I always tell people to go a little step further. Um, what was it about you in that moment that got you through that? How were you feeling in that moment? And if you could picture or if you could pick, excuse me, one word that would describe you, what would that one, that one word be? So for me, for example, if I ever get caught in a rut or if I'm in like in the middle of a workout and I just think my life is over, <laughs> I ground myself because I'm like, first of all, I've been through a lot worse pain than this. And my word, my word that I've spent a lot of time reflecting on is bulletproof. So whenever I'm going through a really hard time, I'm like, okay, I've overcome some really just bad stuff. And through that time, like I was essentially bulletproof. And so I have people think about and reflect and then remind themselves and like pick almost this trigger word that in any moment in time, you can think of this word and it kind of brings you back to where you're at and the fact that you're, you're going to make it through, your life is not over, the workout is going to end when the timer goes off, like just keep pushing, just keep persevering. So journal prompt reflections um, are really great, you know, and, and, and a lot of people, you know, if, if self-guiding stuff isn't 
isn't doing it for them. Like if, you know, a lot of people, for example, they need personal trainers. They can't just go to the gym after a hard day of work. They need someone there to hold them accountable. Then I always encourage people, whether it's me or whether it's someone else, just get a coach of some kind, whether it's a CrossFit coach, a personal trainer, a nutrition coach, um, you know, maybe someone at, at your church, um, just anything. Or if you know a really good friend, but just someone that you can start openly talking to that you know is going to help hold you accountable to start really reaching the goals that you desire to reach. And, you know, some people are like, well, you're just trying to sell me. No, like, I truly don't care if it's me, but I think we have lost sight of human interaction. Like, I love that you and I are doing this podcast right now looking at each other instead of over the phone or through a text message or through whatever it might be. But human interaction is something that this world desperately needs more of and I think that's why a lot of people are finding themselves in the positions where where they need so much work or whether they're like work with a therapist or a mindset coach or whatever it might be I think if people just spent more time face to face sitting down at a coffee shop or, or at a gym or even at work or wherever it might be over the computer um it does a lot to to your mindset and to your mentality and and you feel really good when you just connect with someone on some type of level. So, you know, if, if you're not able to be self-taught, if that's never really been your thing, that's totally fine. But then I encourage people to, to bring someone else in, into the picture so they can just help guide you and hold you accountable. I like it. It's all awesome. Well, yeah. <laughs> tell everybody where they can find you again, um, where they can sign up for your programs, check them out, see all that stuff, email you you know, follow you on all the social media. I know you just said all that other stuff, but <laughs> I agree with what you said, actually, the social media stuff. Uh, me and my wife take breaks from it all the time. Uh, we put our phones down, like we make it a point, like she even posts that she's taking a break and it's like a long break, like extended days of a break. I like and, uh, yeah, because, and, and we just enjoy each other, enjoy the family. Mm-hmm. Um, we're one of the holdouts with kids getting phones. Um, I love it. You know, Keep as long up. as long as we can, you know, wait until they get into high school at least. You know, that's yeah. the you know that it's got to go that far. But um, because there is that lost, I like technology, but like you said, I think it's lost. So I really think like when you're saying all that stuff, I'm like, man, that is a good idea. And the the whole writing your thoughts down and rereading it, and do you like what you just thought? That's fantastic. I've never thought about. The rereading and thinking, like, that's what's in your brain. You know, that's where your mind's headed. Yeah, no, for sure. And, you know, like, your body will go in the trajectory that your mind's in. Um, So if you can figure out how to calm your mind down, then, like, your whole body will relax. Um, So it's always a good tool to have people reread things and just see how their body tenses or relaxes when, when they read their thoughts. And it's like, wow, okay, there's a lot of stuff in my head that probably shouldn't be in my head that's causing stress or anxiety or depression or you know tightness in the middle of a workout because i'm freaking out about whatever i might be freaking out about but yeah a lot of good stuff more where that came from for sure um <laughs> instagram if people want to uh, follow me i just changed my name but it's coach lauren tate 22 22s after everything in my life so coach lauren tate 22 um that's my personal account and then you can find me on the Brute Strength website, uh, www.brutestrength.com. And if you want to hit me up via email, lauren at brutestrengthtraining.com is a wonderful way to reach me. Um, I love talking to anybody and everybody. So questions, thoughts, just want to say hi. You want to share your story with me. 
You can reach me and interact with me through just about any of those methods, and you can definitely get a response back. So I, I would love to meet anybody and everybody. Oh, that's awesome. Well, thank you, Lauren, for being on. This has been a blast. I had one of the, this is the best time. It's so good. <laughs> yeah, it was I, a lot of fun. Thank you so much. I say that after all of them me. because so many different people, but like I really enjoyed this conversation a lot. I want you to yeah, know, like, no, I, I appreciate you reaching out, um, wanting me to be on your show. It, it means a lot, and I'm excited to, to, to listen to it, even though I'm a little nervous to, to hear it. Well, but thank you very much. Oh, thank you. It was awesome. I had a blast. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of the podcast, and thank you to Lauren for being a guest on the show. I really enjoyed this conversation a lot. As always, go to any of her social media sites and her websites or blogs and all that and support Lauren and what she is doing. Head over to the website for the coffee and the coffee blends and check all that good stuff out and any of the sponsors that we mentioned at the first of the show. We really appreciate them. And until the next episode, see ya.